0: Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, all three of our scripture readings are in sync with each other. Typically, one or two scripture readings every weekend give us a great message. But in this case, all three are in sync. All three give us a great message, a unified message. And that is this, how we deal with suffering, how we deal with struggles or hardship in life. Now, we all know life is not always going to be bliss. It's not always going to be complete happiness. We are going to face struggles and suffering and hardships from time to time. No one is immune from that. The question is, how do we deal with them? Now, what I am always fascinated by are advertisements, whether it's for TVs or microwaves or for food or for cars, homes, whatever it is. The advertisement has always pressured us that if we buy this product, whatever it is, we'll immediately be happy. It'll be a source of joy for us. Well, I would argue TVs and microwaves and cars, yes, they contribute to the easiness of life. But are they the real source of happiness and fulfillment? I would say absolutely not. Now, we know how to live with joy in our life. That's easy. But the struggle is when we encounter suffering, hardships, challenges in our life, how do we deal with them? Well, go to the first reading. Here we have Paul and Barnabas. What are they doing? They're evangelizing. They're doing the work of God. That's great, and they're very successful at it. They're evangelizing. They're preaching the Word of God. People are accepting the faith, being baptized, and growing in the knowledge of their faith. It's perfect. It's beautiful. And yet, there are some people that are against Paul and Barnabas. Some people that don't like them and don't like what they're doing. So, what's the first thing that they do? They spread rumors and lies about them. If that's not worse enough, essentially, they physically harm Paul and Barnabas. And they throw them literally out of town. Now, notice what happens. It says they shook the dust from their feet to protest against them and went to Iconium. The disciples were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. Well, Paul and Barnabas, they weren't disappointed. They weren't angry or frustrated. They didn't give up. No, instead, they were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. They basically got up, shook their dust off of themselves, cleaned themselves up and went to the next town. Because they knew they were doing the will of God. And so that didn't deter them. Despite their struggles and their sufferings, they continued on evangelizing as apostles. So we have to recognize that they represent a great role model for us. You know, in the midst of our struggles and sufferings, we have to essentially recognize that we face these things with faith. That's the best way for us to respond to suffering or struggles or hardships in our life, respond with faith and great faith. You know, there's that great story of Winston Churchill. During the Battle of the Blitz, in which it seemed like the German Air Force was bombing the British people night and day, and the British nation was on the verge or on the brink of surrendering, Churchill gave a beautiful speech to the people. And in that speech, there's one line that I can remember that was just powerful. He said, we cannot determine the events or the times of our life, but we can determine how we're going to deal with them. Well, that was something the British people needed to hear. They needed to have faith in that and persevere through the worst time probably in their history. Well, we need that too. You know, the question is, how are we going to respond to the st- struggles and the suffering in our life? Well, we have to respond with faith. I'll give you a great example of this. When I was in Pewaukee in a parish there, I got to know many of the families like I do for all of my parishes. Well, I made friends with one family, and it was a very young family. The husband's name was Tom, the wife's name and mother's name was Peggy, and they had three little children. Well, Tom was on the pastoral council of the church, and he volunteered a lot on behalf of the church. Peggy did the same thing. Every morning, she brought the kids to the parish school, and then she would immediately go to daily mass. She also volunteered to become a catechist to teach in faith formation. So this family was very much involved. They lived out their faith to a great extent. Well, one day, Peggy came down. It seemed like the flu, and it was a hard flu on her. To the extent that Tom, her husband, had to take her to the hospital. And as soon as she was at the hospital, her condition rapidly deteriorated. To the extent that her blood pressure and her heart rate and her breathing were really in dire straits. To the extent that she slipped into a coma. And she had to be put on a ventilator in order for her to breathe and to live. Now throughout this whole time, the doctors could not understand her condition and why it was so severe. And yet, through a battery of different tests, they found out that she had an infection in her blood, and that infection, because it was in her blood, spread throughout her entire body. It first began to affect the organs. Her organs began to shut down. First, the kidneys began to shut down, and she had to receive dialysis three times a week, you know, despite the fact that she was in a coma, in a deep coma at that. And then it got even worse. Because of the infection was so severe, it put constraints on her arteries and veins to the extent that they constricted, and she could not profuse, or her heart could not pump enough blood to her extremities so that her hands and her feet were always blue and cold. Well, for weeks, we prayed with her in her hospital in the ICU. And after maybe about two or three weeks, her husband Tom called me in the middle of the night. And he said, Father, Dan, you need to get over here right away. We don't think Peggy can make it through the night. Well, I immediately got into my car and rushed over to the hospital. I'll never forget, when I entered the room, Peggy, her hands and her feet were black because of the lack of blood circulating to her extremities. Her face was as white as a sheet. She looked for all intents and purposes like she was ready to die. And so we anointed her and we prayed throughout the night. In fact, I spent the entire night with Tom in the room. Well, as morning came, I had to go back to the church in order to celebrate daily mass. But before I left, the doctor that was taking care of her, he was on his way home to rest. But before he did that, he came into the room and he stood at the side of Peggy's bed and he looked at Tom and he said, "You know, I'm not Catholic, I'm Lutheran, but with your permission, I'd like to tell my church about your situation." So that we, as a church, can pray for you. Tom said, absolutely. And so for days, people stood vigil at Peggy's bedside and prayed for her. Now her condition was stable, you could say. And after a few days, her heart rate and her blood pressure began to become better. And after about a week or two, she was taken off the ventilator. She was able to breathe on her own. Well, it seemed like the antibiotics were helping. It seemed like she, Peggy had turned the corner, but not yet. As soon as she was strong enough, she had to go into an operation. The doctors had to amputate the, all of her fingers, one of her feet, and the other foot. They had to take half of it off because of the poor circulation. The tissue is simply died. And so Peggy's road to recovery would be extremely painful, long, and suffering. And yet, she endured it. She responded by faith. Now, after about three weeks, Peggy was ready to transfer to a nursing home where she had to begin rehabilitation. She had to literally learn how to hold a fork and a spoon in her hand, how to dress herself, bathe herself. So she had to learn all those things, especially how to walk. And I wanted to get there the day in which she transferred to wish her well. And as soon as I got into the room, she had a huge smile on her face. Now, if there's anyone that should be bitter, angry, disappointed, depressed, it should be Peggy. But she wasn't. Just the opposite. She responded with faith. She had a huge smile on her face. And she said to me, she said, you know, I feel incredibly grateful for the gift that God has given me. He gave me the gift of life. And throughout this whole ordeal, she said, now I appreciate that gift of life now more than ever. That God gave me a second chance. She said, for all intents and purposes, the doctors wrote me off. I was pretty much dead, but God restored me to life. And I have a beautiful husband and beautiful children and family. And she said, better yet, I have my faith. And I know that God is with me and that he has a special special job for me to do in this world. I just don't know what it is. Well, it took her an entire year to recover from her surgeries and from her illness to where she finally was able to go home to be with her family. And a year later, she became a counselor, and she counseled people, specifically who were people that experienced amputations, For one reason or another, whether it was health concerns or accidents, people who experienced or had amputations, she went and she counseled them and she helped them to ever ease ever so slightly their suffering, to ease their pain and their hardship that they endured from those amputations because she experienced the exact same thing herself. And that was a special gift, the special job that God wanted her to do. And see, that's how we respond to suffering and struggles in life, with faith. Now, if you go to the second reading from Revelation, Revelation specifically said, it says, The Lamb who has entered the throne will wipe away every tear from our eyes. That's what God does. In the very midst of our suffering, He is there. He doesn't abandon us. No, He's there to comfort us. To ever so slightly take away and ease our pain and our struggle. Go to the gospel. Jesus again tells us that he is the good shepherd. He specifically says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me, and no one can take them out of my hand. That's powerful when you think about that. You know, the Lord is always with us. Even in the midst of our suffering, he never abandons us. You know, as a follow-up to this story, Tom, Peggy's husband, you know, came up to me after Mass about three months after she came to the nursing home and I was rehabbing. He said, Father, now I know exactly why Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd, because he never leaves us, you know, even in the midst of our struggles. Our God is a God who is the shepherd that not only tends to his sheep, but never abandons his sheep. He never leaves us alone, especially in the midst of our struggles. He's there more than ever. And Tom told me, he said, you know, God sent people into my life to ever so slightly ease my pain and my hardship. He tended to me. He didn't abandon me like a good shepherd. And he referred to the night in which Peggy received her operation, in which she had to have her fingers and her feet amputated. He said after the surgery, the surgeon came and spent an entire hour with him, explaining the operation about his concern, not only for Peggy, but for Tom himself. Now, that was powerful. And at the very end of their meeting, the surgeon said to Tom before he left, he said, would you mind praying with me? And that was unbelievable. Tom was completely floored by that. About an hour later, a nurse came into the room. Tom told the nurse that he was going to be spending the night with Peggy as she recovered from her operation. And he was sitting on a very inconvenient and uncomfortable hospital chair. Five minutes later, the nurse came back into the room with a huge recliner. And she said to him, I think this will be more comfortable for you. Well, around 4 4.30 the next morning, Tom was awake and an aide came into the room to check on Peggy. Well, about two minutes later, the aide came back into the room with a cup of coffee and a handful of cream and sugar. And she said to Tom, would you like cream or sugar with your coffee? Tom told me, he said, in all those three incidences, God was there. You know, with the surgeon, with the nurse, with the aide. You know, each time those people ever so slightly eased a little bit of his suffering, eased a little bit of his struggle and his hardship. And see, he saw God in their midst. God was present, you know, helping him, tending to him, always present. And see, that's why this, these scripture readings are so important. They help us deal with suffering. You know, we cannot determine the time or the events in our life, but we can determine how we're going to deal with them. Well, in the midst of our struggles and our suffering and our hardship, we have to deal with them with faith just like Paul and Barnabas did, and just like Peggy did. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.